All right, let's all quote it together. 2 Timothy 1.7. Are you ready? One, two, three. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Y'all sound great. Now let's sound better than that. Amen. One, two, three. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now what does that tell you? It tells you that you're, if you're in fear, you are not walking in love. You're not tapping the power of God. And you don't have a sound mind. It's incapable for us to make wise decisions and follow the things of God and be an agent for God's influence and good in this world when you and I are in fear. That's exactly why the devil wants you to be in fear. I want you to turn to Numbers 13. We're going to spend a little time there tonight. But just starting out with uh, Numbers 13, verse 32 and 33, this from the message. This is about the 12 spies that go in and the 10 came back with a less than stellar report. But the others said, we can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. And they spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. Turn to somebody and say, stop spreading scary rumors. They said, we scattered out the land from one end to the other. It is a land that swallows people whole. Now, how would they know that? They really weren't there that long. You see what happens when you get into fear? You start embellishing. It gets worse. Your imagination runs wild. Everybody we saw was huge. You think that was true? I seriously doubt that everybody was a giant. But see what happens. Everybody we saw was huge. We even saw the Nephilim giants, the Anic giants that came from Nephilim. Alongside them we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. Uh, God's word for today says they spread a false report. Excuse me, spread lies. Uh, the good news says they spread a false report. And uh, the ESV says they brought a bad report. But no matter how you, how you slice this thing, they're spreading things, first of all, that are not true, and second of all, that are fear-based. So we know that fear and faith have uh, several things in common. I'll review that with you tonight. But one of the things they have in common is they both can be spread, and they're spread through the words that people speak, the things that are said. Now contrast that with what the Bible says of, of Caleb in Numbers 14 and verse 24, but my, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, say that with me, spirit of faith, and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. A different spirit means he follows wholeheartedly, which means he's going to tap that inheritance. And then uh, Paul, of course, uh, coined this phrase for us, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. So that tells you something about the spirit of faith, right? It's according to what? As it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, Scripture comes from Psalm 116, and in that case, it's a negative application. In other words, what you believe evils you will speak, you will declare. But if you believe something that's true, the Word of God, amen, you're going to manifest that in a similar fashion. You, you basically, here's the bottom line, you basically will say the things you really believe sooner or later. And that will either indicate a spirit of faith or it will indicate a spirit of fear. Now I don't know about you, but we really don't need any more fear in this land right now. We need, we need some faith talkers. Hallelujah. Well, we see something very different between these ten and of course Joshua and Caleb. And I want to dive into this a little bit more. But remind you in Job 3.25 he said, For the thing which I greatly feared is what? Come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Don't underestimate this truth, because 
Fear is like a tractor beam. It'll pull stuff into your life in the same way that faith does. So uh, we talked about the kind of heart that faith will work in. You can uh, review that by listening to that message again if you want to. But I want to talk to you real quickly you know, about how the spirit of fear is like the spirit of faith. You can also catch this material on the podcast from last Sunday night. But I want to just make sure that everybody's on the same page tonight. Both come by hearing, fear and faith. Faith comes by hearing, but so does fear. One by the Word, one, one by, of course, things that contradict the Word of God. Uh, both attract things like life or death. Don't think that somehow you're in limbo in la-la land between fear and faith. You're not. You're either in fear tonight or you're in faith. And if you're in fear, you're attracting things. If you're in faith, you're attracting things. Fear, of course, will bring about death and destruction and the curse. Of course, um, faith will bring about life. And how I many know oh, He wants you to have life and more abundantly? But that's going to come through the agency of a thing called faith. Number three, both are spirits. That's why there's an atmosphere around us and around people. Everybody in this room is not only coming in here with an atmosphere about them, you're going to walk out of here with an atmosphere about you. Now, how many are going to walk out of here with a greater spirit of faith than when you walked in? But you can sense it everywhere you go. Hey, Amen. If you see somebody... You know, that's basically dressed up in a scuba suit and then wearing a mask and then plexiglass over that with gloves on. You, what can you conclude about that person at the store? What's their atmosphere going to be? They're terrified. And you know how many people have conducted themselves that way and got sick anyway? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. In fact, if your faith is in the natural things, your faith is misplaced. Your faith needs to be in God. You know, as a pastor, I, I get uh, calls all the time. You know, the people in our church and out of our church, they share things, they ask for a prayer. And I can't tell you how many people, fully vaxxed, fully boosted, walking around, contracted it anyway. Turn to somebody and say, your faith better be in God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm telling you not to deal with that stuff. According to your faith be it unto you, you work out your own fear, with, your own faith with what? Your own walk with God with fear and trembling. You work out your own salvation, your soundness, your wholeness. But I will tell you this, if your faith is in what man can do. And I got news for you. Don't, don't think that this is a, a passing phase. In the end times, you're going to see more of this stuff. So what do we need to do? We need to perfect the spirit of faith. We need to become stronger in our faith and learn to recognize that, that atmosphere about us. And so, you know, we're not going to help anybody if the atmosphere around us is fear and torment and, oh, woe is me. That's not going to work for anybody. It's not going to work for us. Both are exclusive. That just simply means you can have one or you can have the other, but you can't have both. If you unplug from faith, you automatically plug into fear. If you'll unplug from fear, guess what? You'll plug into faith. Isn't that a good thing? They're exclusive. You can't have both. Well, I'm the exception. I'm not in fear or faith. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You're either in faith tonight or you're in fear. Those are the two options for the human condition. Adam and Eve, before the fall, were in what? Faith and enjoying the wonderful and abundant life God gave to them. Disobey God, fear came, amen. Spirit of faith went by the wayside. Next thing you know, they're hiding from the God that made them. Do you see what fear does? Next, both are found in two places, the heart and the mouth. Fear gets in the heart, what's going to happen? It's going to come out of the mouth. Faith gets in the heart, what's going to happen? It's going to come out of the mouth. In other words, you don't have to hang around somebody long enough to know what's in them. 
All you have to do is listen to what they're saying. And you know real quickly whether they're in faith or in fear. Both have a similar pathway. The fear pathway is we focus on circumstances, fear is the result, and we get failure. The faith pathway, we focus on the Word of God, we produce faith, and then we flourish. I mean, you know, flourishing is better than failure. Come on, shout it out. Flourishing is better than failing. And both infect the air around them. You hang around people, iron sharpeneth iron, and bad company does what? Corrupts good character. You hang around people long enough that have this, and don't you know, protect yourself with the Word of God, you're going to catch what they have. It's often said, you know, if I have the chicken pox, you're not going to catch measles from me. And if I have the spirit of faith, guess what? You're not going to catch the spirit of fear. It's very important you understand this. So let's talk about the, the spirit of faith, and let's see if you're infected tonight. Look at somebody saying, we're going to do a spirit of faith test. And the pastor won't have to ram a swab up your nose to get it. Amen. We're going to find out tonight if you have the spirit of faith. Amen. Do you have the symptoms of the spirit of faith? The pathway for faith is the same for fear. Eyes and ears produce inputs. What we look at, what we listen to, and it's either producing fear or faith. And then the mind takes over from those inputs and begins to meditate and begins to dwell on these things. And sooner or later they come out of our mouth. We say what we have seen and heard and thought about, and then it spreads like wildfire. The inputs are bad enough, but then we just rehearse those. Can you imagine these ten spies every time they saw a giant or saw a walled city? What happened? Where did their thought life go? We know that it didn't show up and say, oh, by the way, this is the problem. They were thinking about it all the way back to the camp. And when they got to the camp, the Bible says they spread an evil report of unbelief. Unbelief is not just, well, I don't believe. I guess that's no big deal, but I don't believe. No, it's evil. Turn to somebody and tell them, unbelief is evil. Because unbelief is to what? To doubt God, to not believe, to call God a liar. He's not a man that he should what? Lie. He doesn't lie. Aren't you glad for that? If he said it in his word, you can count on it. You can put the full force of, of your trust on that. So what happens is when it's inputted in the eyes and the ears and we begin to you know, let it bounce around our minds, it's going to come out of our mouth, and that's when it spreads like wildfire. Fear and faith both spread. Fear and faith are caught by people. And you hang around in a group that's, that's in the Word of God and a, and a faith group, guess what happens to you? It has an impact on you. You hang around people that are walking in fear, what happens to you? Amen. So it matters what you're hanging around. Amen. Say it with me. It matters what I'm listening to. In uh, Numbers 13, I want you to just kind of read this with me. I'm going to start in verse 26. This is the actual report of their exploration. No, it'll be a fly on the wall. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. What's the very next word? But, but the people who live there are powerful, 
And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and oh dear God, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. It's like they memorized every nation. <laughs> and the reason why they couldn't do what God told them to do. Then Caleb did a smart thing here. He silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So you hear the spirit of fear, and then what does Caleb have? The spirit of faith. But the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report, or, or, or ungodly, evil ruler, uh, rumors about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Watch this. They lost the battle before a shot was even fired. Not a single battle. Not a single spear thrown, not a single sword removed from its scabbard. Not one drop of blood shed, and they're already defeated. That's how powerful fear is. It'll cause you to not even show up, to lose by default, to throw in that white towel before you even had a chance to engage what's going on. Uh, that's not how we're cut, amen? That's not how we're made. Just to give up, we're going to fight and believe God for what is ours. They were infected with the spirit of fear. And because they gave up the battle without even a shot, they also gave up their inheritance. Now I wish, you know, we lived in a, in a vacuum. And one day when everything is settled and the Lord has restored His rightful throne in this, in this land, uh, things will get to be obviously a lot easier. Amen? Simple, pure, holy. But right now, if you're going to walk in faith, you're going to receive from the Lord, you're going to have to be willing to fight. Paul said, I have what? I have fought the good fight. You're not going to you're not going to get anything in this world. You're not going to receive anything in this life unless you believe God for it and stand for it. And if fear comes in, you're not going to fight. You're going to give up before there's even a chance to fight. And that's exactly what they did. They saw something, they meditated on, it, they spoke it and spread that, and the entire camp is is defeated. I want you to see something interesting about this scripture. Um, go to chapter 14. Let's listen to a little bit more of what they had to say. And let's find out if you're infected with faith tonight. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Based on what? You see this? They're all crying. They're all wailing. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. Watch this. Not a single battle. Not a single drop of blood. We're already talking about going back. See what fear does. Faith will always move you forward. Fear will always take you back. Scripture says that uh, we're in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So let's just not go back the way we came. Let's go back to our 400-year-old oppressors. That's like saying it's better to leave the Lord and go back to the devil. I mean, these people that are walking away from the, the church and walking away from the things of God and, and denouncing their faith, where are they going to go? Is Buddha going to save them? Is their intellectualism going to save them? 
I mean, where are they going to go to? The other 4,000 religions of this world, and none of them have a provision or a sacrifice for sin? There is nowhere else to go. There is no other name. You know, when I just talked to them, okay, so there's imperfection in the church, or you're having a problem with this passage of Scripture, or you can't quite see it the way a lot of other evangelicals see it. Why would you then go the extra mile and denounce the Christ if you have a problem with the church? It doesn't even make any sense. But that's what happens. Back to bondage. Amen. Look at somebody and say, no, I'm not going back to bondage. You know, <laughs> We spent enough time in bondage. We're moving forward in faith. We should, have, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, at that point in time, Moses must have been tempted to say, go right ahead. Me and Joshua and Caleb will go ahead. God will give us the victory anyway. <laughs> Y'all go back. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Come on, say, God's plan for my life is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land. And what pleases the Lord? Faith. He'll lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not what? Fear. Be afraid. Do not fear. That's the core. That's the issue. Don't be afraid of the people in the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And they grumbled, and they complained. And the Lord showed up, asked Moses to meet him. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? What had happened before they got to this point? He provided for them supernaturally the whole time they're in the wilderness. Supernaturally delivered them. Amen. When they were in Egypt and there was no light in Egypt, what did he do for them? When there were plagues, how many know they were protected? When it came to the death angel and they had marked their doorpost, what, what did God do? The death angel passed over then had God not already proven had God not over to prove himself while they were still in Egypt yes. and then he takes them out laden with silver and gold Psalm 105 and not one feeble among them and he gives them food and he gives them you know water he takes care of them they see all these miracles they see the entire Egyptian army destroyed with one fell swoop they cross on dry land and God is providing for them the whole time and this is how they act I want you to write this down okay Nothing God has done for you, no miracle, no provision, no healing is the source of faith. Not one. It's wonderful to hear the testimonies because it tells us if God did it for them, He can do it for us. The only thing according to the Word of God that's going to build your faith and sustain it is what? Time in the Word. These are people captive by fear who saw probably more miracles than you or I will ever see. But the miracles didn't move them to a position of faith. They still yielded to fear. And there are a lot of people, well, if I just see this, if I could just observe that, if I could just experience this, and I would have faith. No, you wouldn't unless you're in the Word of God. Because faith doesn't come by experiences. Faith doesn't come by miracles. Miracles are the result of faith. Miracles are not what produces faith. There's a big difference. And all they saw were miracles, and yet, boom. And how many know that the God's here a little, God is a little bit put out here? 
And this is one of the times where Moses has to talk God off the ledge. I mean, one moment Moses wants to wipe him out, and one moment God wants to wipe him out. Could you imagine if they ever got to that conclusion at the same time? That was it. <laughs> Amen? Well, there's a problem here, and the problem is fear. And the problem is they never even would have known at that moment in time what they were really going to face because they what? They didn't go in. And then God says over here in chapter 14, uh, around verse 28, So tell them, as surely as I live. Now, when the Lord says, as surely as I live, that's a long time. <laughs> as, as surely as the Lord lives, this is going to happen. I will do to you the very things that I heard you say. In this desert, their bodies, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has counted the census and who's grumbled against me. That tells me that the Lord knows exactly every person that grumbled against him. Write this down. Grumbling's not faith. Murmuring's not faith. Belly aching's not faith. Complaining's not faith. I get a kick out of some teachers of the Bible that say, well, just give God your mind. Just tell him how you feel. Just grumble and complain. You better watch that nonsense. That's bad preaching. You can share your heart and tell him what you do and what you're doing and how you're feeling, but get off of this. You know, God's just going to look the other way and doesn't care about that stuff. It can open up a, a huge door of demise in your life. Amen? Uh, Behind all the belly aching, behind all the murmuring, behind all the complaining, behind all strife, behind all division, behind all that stuff is a thing called fear. If you can rid people of fear, then you can rid people of all of its manifestations. Amen. And so they have a, they have a serious problem. They're infected. And what you're infected with, what do you do with it? You spread it. Amen. If a person has COVID, are they capable of spreading it? Yes. Amen. And what you see is, is the temptation to just say, well, that's just a nice little Bible story and it has no you know, meaning for us and application today. Are you kidding me? It says more application for us right now than an entire history in the body of Christ. Amen. This is the number one enemy around the world. It is not COVID. It is fear. Amen. Say it with me. No fear here. No fear. Say it again. No fear here. No fear here. And uh, does anybody know what the survival rate is? Carolyn, you know exactly what the survival rate is of somebody who's infected with COVID. What is it right now? 99.7? 99.8? All right. Listen to that. 99.8% of the people that get COVID will what? Survive. You would think that it was 99.8 would die the way people act. So what does that tell you? Fear skews the thinking of people who have it. That shouldn't surprise you. Paul said this. I'm not giving you what? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? Don't expect people in fear to think right. It's not going to happen. Now, this will come and go. You understand? They'll write about it. They'll look at the data of COVID. But this is not going to stand. It'll go by the way of every other thing. God will give the answers and the wisdom. God will smite this thing. This will be an asterisk in the history of the world. But what will remain 
is the spirit of fear. And that's the danger. And uh, what, what the Lord would want us to do as people of God is be extra well trained in the spirit of faith during this season. So when this is over, we're able to deal with whatever comes down the pike, personally or, or corporately or nationally. Amen. So everything in, in a person with a spirit of fear, everything is overblown. Everything is just over the top. There is no way to think rationally when you've got fear in your life. Amen. These people didn't have one encounter of an aggressive military sense. They didn't have one encounter with any of those tribes in that land. And they came back with a report saying they'll absolutely destroy us. Based on what? Amen. Come on, look at them. I say, I am not giving up my inheritance because of fear. Come on, say it again. I am not giving up my inheritance because of fear. This is all in the realm of hearing things and meditating on things and then letting your belief system go in the wrong direction. And what you then begin to believe, what happens? It comes on you. I mean, things are hard enough out there without us helping the devil. Amen. And how do you help him? By entering into fear. And we're not talking about pretend here. Look at somebody say, we're not talking about pretending. Faith doesn't pretend. Faith does what? Faith attacks. But it's all in the realm of the mind. Now the question is, have you been infected with faith? Amen. Say it with me. No fear here. I tell this story, and apparently somebody here needs to hear it, but it, it illustrates perfectly how this, how this spirit operates. But when, uh, when Timothy was seven, he and I went, uh, flew out to Phoenix to be with my parents, and then we went to Williams, uh, Arizona, and got on board a train. And uh, we're going to take that train to the Grand Canyon. And at Williams is a hotel where you kind of spend the night and you have your meals and you get up next morning so you can catch that train. That morning after breakfast, there's a little amphitheater and there's a little stage show that's going on. And the actors are all, uh, you know, uh, horse riding cowboys and there's a plot line and everything to what they do. Basically, uh, the plot line is if anybody gets on that train, they need to expect they're going to get robbed today. Everybody say seven years old. Uh, so we're sitting there in, in, in the bleachers, this little amphitheater, while they're doing their thing, and the ringleader immediately spots Timothy. And the reason he spots Timothy is Timothy has a marshal's hat on, <laughs> cowboy hat, and he's got a marshal's badge, and he's got a gun belt and a gun. He looked like little Matt Dillon, amen, running, <laughs> running around the place. And immediately this guy absolutely, uh, you know, Pointed him out, you know, picked him out, and came over there. And then he just kind of sashays over by the side of him like this, and all the other ones are behind the guy. He goes, he's the leader, the ringleader. He goes, you some kind of a law man. <laughs> and Timothy's like, this eye's about the bug out of his head, you know, because he heard everything they said. They said they are going to ride and intercept the train, and they're going to rob it. Now, there's probably about 10 to 12 cars plus the engine on this. And we're probably about seven or eight cars 
back on the train. A beautiful ride, you know, you can Grand Canyon, you're getting ready to get to the Grand Canyon and it's beautiful, you know, uh, you know, mountain ranges and everything. It's just really, really cool to be out there in the desert riding on that train. And then all of a sudden here come these guys flying by on their horses. They're they're gonna intercept this train and the engineer stops the train, comes to a stop. About that time, you know, Timothy just very nonchalantly took off his hat, he took off the star, put it in the hat, <laughs> took off the gun belt, stuck it in the, the rim, you know, of the hat, and then he looked at me and goes, Here dad, you hold on to these. And guess what car they chose to come to? They knew exactly what car he got on, and he made a beeline, you know, and he just threw his, you know, his little overcoat back like that and exposed his gun, you know, and made his way straight to Timothy. And, uh, you know, he, uh, in his mind, come on, pokes the mind, say, in his mind. In his mind, guess what? It was all real. In his mind, their threat was real. In his mind, that guy's gun was real. In his mind, he didn't mind if I got shot. In his mind, <laughs> here, you hold these. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, Timothy has the greatest sense of humor in the world the way it is. But, I mean, it's just a funny, funny story. But the point of it is that, you know, and thank God on the way back, there's nobody there to meet us. You know, it's just fine. But in the mind, say it with me, in the mind. His inputs and his mind and the spirit of fear was right there. He was convinced that that guy was going to come straight for him, and he was right about that. But was there any real danger? No, there's no real danger. But why would he take off the hat and the star and the gun and hand it to me? See what I'm saying? And what if the guy called him out, you know, for a gun battle? He would have had no gun. Again, defeated without even a shot being fired. Now, he doesn't like me telling that story, so don't you any of you tell you, tell him, he, I told you tonight, you just keep it to yourself. Look at somebody and say, you some kind of a law man. This is the same thing that happened this day when they went to spy the land. The inputs led to meditation. The meditation led to speech. The spirit of fear came out and it spread to the entire camp and it compromised their, their inheritance, but also cost a lot of people their lives. Everybody 20 and up, we're not going to go in. Amen? Look at somebody and say, I am going in. So let's, let's see if uh, you're infected with faith tonight. Let's see if you've got the symptoms. Number one, the spirit of faith looks at the promises instead of the circumstances. They just focus on the land flowing with milk and honey, don't they? They focus on the land. They focus on the good things that God said was there. Uh, recently, somebody um, uh, grew some grapes in the land of Israel, and these things were so big it took two people to carry them. Historians believe that's exactly what they found, this massive load of fruit that they had to carry like this with one in the front and one in the back because it was so heavy. It's not like the little bag you pick up at Walmart of grapes. Look, we found some of the fruit there. The visual of that would have been overwhelming, but they chose to what? Not to focus on the fruit and the promise, but to focus on the circumstances. You're infected when faith when you refuse to look at anything but the promise. 
I know what I see. I know what I hear. I know what I feel. I know what's going on. But say it with me. I'm not moved by what I see or hear or feel. What am I moved by? I'm moved by what did God say? And he said, guess what? This is your land. Go spy it out. Take it. You can surely take this land. The spirit of faith like Caleb, instead of looking at all the reasons why, you can't do that. This is a time to come out of fear and get back into faith. You're infected if you're looking at the promises. Amen. And you won't come off of them. Look at somebody and say, hold to the promises. I'm focused on the promises, not the obstacles. A million reasons why you can't do this and you can't do that and why you'll fail here and why this won't work. No, all you need is one reason that it will. And that is the Word of God. What did it say in your life? One word from God. Amen. Glory to God. You know, look through Scripture and see how many times somebody was given a very simple command. For example, did the prophet tell, uh, did give the prophet through a third party, through his servant, tell Naaman to do something that was hard? I want you to go and write me a six-volume you know, essay on why God should heal you and then bring it back. Is that what he did? All he did was tell him to go what? Go wash in the Jordan. How many times? Seven. Seven times. That's real complicated, isn't it? Hey, you're supposed to be the, the lead general in the Syrian army. Can't you count to seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Shazam. Amen? You can go through the Word of God and you can see where it's not some big dissertation. It's not some big thing. It's a simple command. Amen? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Go show yourselves to the priests. And what happened when they did? They're healed. To, to, to Peter, he wanted to come out and walk on the water with Jesus. What did he say? Come. And as long as he held on to that word, he was fine. But watch this. And I, I, I hate to say this to you. I'd like to tell you that tonight, God's going to supernaturally impart the spirit of faith, and you'll never lose it. You can switch from the spirit of faith to fear like this. The good news is if you're in the spirit of fear, you can switch back. Does that make sense? And he was in faith when he got out of the boat and he began to look at what? Circumstances and obstacles, the same thing that the people of God, the ten spies brought back. And guess what? That evil report of unbelief began to circulate in his mind. Next thing you know, he's sinking and he's crying out to the Lord. Now, how many thank God that he's there? Yes. But you know, just because he's there doesn't mean there can't be consequences from our sinking. Amen. So, what do you do? You, you look at what did God say, even if it's not that much of a promise. Some of you have been given prophetic words from God that may have amounted to just a few words or a sentence. You know what you should be doing with that? Holding on to it with all your heart. You shouldn't throw that down just because time has gone by or situations have come against that thing. You know, circumstances and situations coming against the prophetic word that God gave you, all that's proof is that the prophetic word was right. You're going to accomplish nothing in this life by the devil just rolling over and saying, all right, you're right, you win. I'm not going to fight you on this. Doesn't work that way. How many have been looking at the promises lately? You might just be infected with faith. Number two, the spirit of faith speaks possibility instead of limitations. We, like Caleb, can take the land. We can surely do this. Say it, we can surely do this. You're infected with faith if you're speaking the possibilities instead of the limitations. The ten, what did they speak? Um, you should know that the spirit, the spirit of faith and the spirit of fear have one thing in common, like several other things, they both speak. 
They always speak. They will say what's on the inside of the heart. But the spirit of faith will talk about the possibilities, what we can do. And we can do all things. Say again, we can can do all things things through Christ Christ. who gives us strength. How many things? All All things. Can you? Yes. Yes, you can. Amen. Through that anointing, the anointed one and his anointing that gives you strength. Number three, the spirit of faith sees what God sees. Spirit of fear saw themselves as grasshoppers. When you have the spirit of faith, you see yourself as a giant killer. Amen? Uh, There's going to be somebody coming down the line. Amen? And the royal lineage, his name's going to be David. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to prove that he had the image on the inside of a giant killer. Same situation, same spirit, the entire army of God pinned down with fear and one man had the spirit of faith. Watch this. In the entire camp of Israel, according to what the scripture says right here, we've got Moses and we've got Aaron, we've got Joshua and we've got Caleb and you never know with Aaron from day to day. So I'll say for sure we got Moses here. Who knows what Aaron was thinking and Joshua and Caleb. Out of all, and how many people made it through the wilderness? How many people did Moses lead through that season? According to what we know, it's probably somewhere between 1.8 to 2.5 million. That's a lot of people. Out of that entire group, we had how many speaking faith? Three for sure. It's, it's always a gamble with Aaron. I mean, he's doing fine with a moment, and Moses goes to meet with the Lord, he comes back, and look what came out of the pot of golden calf. You never know with this guy. <laughs> but three people out of millions. The odds are stacked against the people of faith in terms of what they are going to be infected with. You see how fast that, that fear spread? It spread through the whole camp. You can almost hear coming waves whispering out from the epicenter of that little group who was giving the report on out to the camp as it went out. You know, people getting more and more distraught. Look, the spirit of faith sees what God sees, and God does not see you as a grasshopper. No, he does not. Come on, say it. I am no grasshopper. He sees you the way David saw himself, as a giant killer. Same thing. Everybody in the army, including the king, had a spirit of fear. His own brothers had what? Did any of them ask Saul permission to take on the giant? No. Eliab can come and criticize David all he wants to. He didn't do anything. He sat there petrified like everybody else. One man in the whole army with the spirit of faith. Three men in the story of the crossing and the promise, amen, of the land had a spirit of faith. The rest of them all had a spirit of fear. The odds are what? The average Christian around here is going to have what? A spirit of fear. Let me see your hands if you are infected with faith, though. Isn't this encouraging? (laughs) I said, isn't this encouraging? Amen. There there are more in this room with an infection, a faith infection, than the entire group that day of Israelites. Amen. Hey, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're operating in faith. It means that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. 
as the reconciling, amen, propitiation for your sin, but that doesn't mean that you've done anything with it afterwards. Amen? How, how horrible is it if we were in the same situation today? Well, if you just listen to the average Christian talk and listen to their behavior during this pandemic, you'll see that there's an awful lot of those ten spies in Christians today. Amen? Say it with me. No fear here. Say it. I am not a grasshopper. What do you do with grasshoppers? Squash them like a bug. But you on the inside are what? You're a giant killer. Say it. I'm a giant killer. I'm one of the three. In David's case, I'm the one. (laughs) How lonely that must have been. But once that giant's head came off, what do you think happened to the rest of the camp? Suddenly they're all infected with what? Faith. Suddenly the word of the Lord through David's mouth resonated with them. And that was quite a victory. But there was no victory until somebody showed up with the spirit of faith. Come on, I'm preaching better now. You're looking at me right now. There was no victory until somebody showed up with the spirit of faith. There's a reason why Smith Wigglesworth would not let family members go into a room where he was praying for the sick. Amen. You know what he said? He said, they'll have a bunch of pity instead of faith. You know, if you'll look carefully, you'll see Jesus often did the same thing. Amen. In other words, you can be in pity but not be in faith. For some people... Uh, and all pity is is, a, is another manifestation of fear. Glory to God. Number four, the spirit of faith obeys instead of rebelling from God's command. Notice what came on the heels of the spirit of fear, rebellion and disobedience to God. Every time you have fear, you're going to have rebellion and disobedience to God. You're going to do something that goes crossways with what he is saying, his principles and his word is directed for your life. But if you're infected with the spirit of faith, what are you going to do? Even if it defies natural thinking, even if it defies common sense, amen, you're going to do what? You're going to do what David did, charge hell with a water gun. Amen. Imagine you're watching David run out there with a sling. What are you thinking if you're part of Israel's army? This should be a short show. (laughs) Right? I doubt you. I bet you're laughing and cutting up, you know, and criticizing and everything else. And until that rock went into that giant's forehead, and that giant fell with a thud that you could hear all the way back into the camp. And then he took out that sword and did what? Cut his head off. Amen. That was one big head. You couldn't miss it. (laughs) No mistaking what that was once he cut it off. And all the laughter stopped. Are you here tonight? Well, guess what? They may have been laughing at you too. Once you're holding the head of victory, the, the laughter will stop. Spirit of faith obeys. Look at somebody and say, obey. obey. Next, the spirit of faith spreads a godly report of belief. If you're infected with faith, you're going to spread faith. You're going to spread confidence in God and what He said. At the end of the day, 
it's God who said these things. So to spread unbelief is to do what? To paint God as a person who doesn't tell the truth. And he does speak the truth. Aren't you glad for that? If you're infected with the spirit of faith, you're going to spread a godly report of belief. You're going to talk about what God can do and what he is doing. You're not going to celebrate all the things that are going wrong, all the challenges and all the obstacles. You're going to talk about what God has done and what he can do. Amen. 99.8% of the people in the world that have gotten this disease have what? Have survived. And there's no price that you can put on those who have succumbed to it. Not for those nations, not for those peoples, and certainly not for the families. But if you're not careful, you get defeated simply by observation. And that's what happens. You get infected by being around things that celebrate failure and celebrate obstacles and celebrate challenges. But what are we going to do? You know what we're going to do? If I have an altar call and somebody I know is in that service, and I know if they don't get saved, they're going to split hell wide open, and I know they don't respond to an altar call week after week after week, I'm not going to stop giving an altar call. I'm not going to say, well, what's the point? Because they, they won't respond, so therefore it must not be God's will to save. That has nothing to do with it. Write this down. The responses of people have nothing to do with the will of God. Nothing. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get back up again, and you're going to lay hands on the sick. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You're going to pray for those that are afflicted. You're going to do what God told you to do. Because you're not the Savior. And you're not the healer. And you're not the deliverer. That job is already taken. Your job is to go and do what he told you to do and operate in that anointing. People who operate with a spirit of fear, once there's seemingly a, a, quote, faith failure, and it may not be a faith failure, it could be several other items that are affecting that, once they experience that, they begin to withdraw and back up on these things. You know what you ought to do? If you lose a battle, you ought to go out and lay hands on 100 people in that person's honor. Okay, they didn't get saved. Well, go find 15 other people that need to get saved. Torment the devil with your spirit of faith rather than, you know, clamming up because something didn't go right. Uh, it's not always, you know, exciting for people. They're not always clapping for you when you're operating that way. Amen. But say it with me, infected with faith. What are you going to do? Years ago, uh, we were over in the dome, and um, Sunday, uh, Christmas fell on a Sunday that year. And how many know that automatically in this pro-pagan culture we're living in depresses attendance on Sunday morning? It shouldn't. Where should Christians be on a Sunday morning that falls on? I mean, when Christmas falls on a Sunday, where should you be? Let me ask you again. When Christmas falls on a Sunday, where should you be? I'm so glad to hear that because this year Christmas falls on a Sunday. <laughs> but <laughs> you have plenty of time to eat and open up presents, whatever it is, and get into your stocking. But how many can believe for a supernatural move of God? Yeah. Yes, you can. And that's just the, the right thing. But, you know, when you, when you think about the spirit of faith, amen, when you think about the things of God, if you're not careful, if you're not, if you're not walking in the Word of God, it's so easy for you to be affected by the prevailing thoughts you know, of the day and walk by a carnal mindset. Even if you're raised. I mean, you know, classical Pentecostals believe in salvation. They believe in healing. They believe in the baptism and the Holy Ghost. They believe in the second coming of Christ. Are you in agreement with that tonight? Yeah. Said, I believe in the salvation, in healing, in the baptism. 
Amen. And I believe in the second coming. So on top of it being Christmas Day, it snowed. And I don't mean one of these eighth of an inch snows. A pretty significant snow. Four, six, seven inches on the ground, but guess what? It's Christmas. So we're over here in the dome, and uh, so that depresses the crowd even more. But um, I felt impressed to, to amplify and talk about Jesus the healer on Christmas. Amen. What a wonderful gift for Christmas. Getting healed. <laughs> and uh, Bert Folsom, who used to teach at Murray State University uh, in the history department, uh, was in that service, and he was uh, the faculty sponsor for the college ministry for years and years and years. And he wrote me a, a card a couple weeks later because he was just kind of traveling through that day. And he said, to keep preaching the uncompromised word of God. That church needs to hear it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the first Christmas we were actually, you know, you know here. And, and I learned a little bit later what he meant because someone who had been in this church for years and years and years had a mother in a nursing home and got foaming at the mouth angry that I would dare preach about healing when their loved one was in a nursing home. I don't care if your relative's in a nursing home, in a graveyard, in the perfect health. It doesn't change the Word of God. And that's how faith operates. I don't stop preaching healing because you have somebody in a nursing home. Are you here? It's like I'm not going to preach forgiveness because somebody is up to their ears in sin. No, we just stick to the Word of God. That's the challenge to us. That's the challenge from me to you. Stick with the Word of God. Yes. Don't care what you see, what you observe. You know, there's giants of sickness, and there's giants of lack, and there's walled cities of opposition. You know, there's all kinds of things we're facing. Oh, God, we can't do this. You can do all things. You're going to keep on preaching. You're going to keep on loving. Amen. You're going to keep on praying for the sick. You're going to keep on casting out devils. You're going to keep on sowing. Amen. You're going to keep on doing what you're supposed to do no matter what you see. Because the spirit of faith does what? It obeys. Amen. Let me see your hand if you're infected. Amen. I, uh, I told you this story before. I drove the car to Illinois to pray for a friend of my mom and dad's. And he was in the hospital sick. And when, as soon as I got off the elevator... His wife came out the door and met me and said, he's gone. Well, this is a situation where there's little to no faith here. I mean, if somebody, they were going to get healed, it was going to take God moving supernaturally. So I drive back to Murray the same day. I get a, I get a call that somebody's, you know, a relative, uh, it's a distant relative somehow, one of your family members, I don't remember which one, was in the hospital, had ovarian cancer, and it had spread. It was a very serious situation. And, uh, I mean, by the time I get back from Carbondale and get to the hospital, you know, I'm walking down the hall, and guess what? She's gone. Now, the more of that story is, if you're nearing death, don't ask me to come, because you're gone. I mean, you don't have a chance. Or do what? Or ignore that. Does that make sense? Because just because that's the reality doesn't change the reality of the Word of God in our assignments. In other words, our assignment's not based on what we face or what happens or what doesn't happen. It's based on what did God say. That's how faith people operate. Amen? Say it with me. The spirit of faith obeys. So am I infected? I'm infected with faith. If I'm looking at the promises, if I'm speaking the possibility... If I see what God sees, if I'm obeying. Next, the spirit of faith spreads a godly report of what? Of belief, right? That's what we're going to spread because that's what we have. In other words, we're going to go around building people's faith up. 
instead of tearing it down. What God can do versus what God can't do. And I mean, you know, He can do all things. And you can do all things through Him who gives you strength. Uh, now, listen to your words because your words will tell you if you're doing this or not. Even the worst of circumstances, you keep your mouth on the Word of God. Keep saying what God says in that situation. Say, well, I'm struggling. That's great. But don't think that you're the only one in that fight. And don't think that you want to infect somebody else in the midst of that fight if you don't keep your mouth right. Does that make sense? I'm just, I'm just telling how it is. I'm just a realist. I'm just speaking my mind. This is how I feel. That's great. It's hurting you, but not only is it hurting you, it's spreading to other people. No. And God calls it an evil what? An evil report of unbelief. You and I should be spreading what he says. Instead of evil report of unbelief, we spread the word. But here's the problem. Both of them spread equally well. Glory to God. Next, the spirit of faith expects the promises to be fulfilled. No matter what a faith person goes through, at the end of the day, they're still expecting good things. I'm expecting a good year. I'm expecting breakthrough this year. I'm expecting exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine according to His power that's working in us. That's what faith will do. Now, that doesn't mean you've never had any setbacks or difficulties or challenges. It doesn't make you, and, you know, there's no reference to the fact that you may have had a, a lost battle last year in previous years. You still expect God to do what He's going to do. And He said something, and you're going to expect it. Your neck is outstretched, longing and looking for something. You still have a future and a hope. You have an eager expectation of what God is doing. This year it may be for a healing, it may be for an open door, it may be for a deliverance, it may be for something you're trying to get off the ground, a business or a ministry, whatever it is. You are expecting God to move. That's what people that are infected with faith do. And the whole, you know, you know it seems like everything can be against you, but guess what you still expect? That's how faith people operate. Rather than dreading that it won't. You know what the problem is? Those ten spies, they had the spirit of Job on them. Amen. We don't need the spirit of Job. And next, the spirit of faith obtains the inheritance. Say, whoopee. What do the ten spies and the entire camp have in common? They're 20 years and older. They are never going to see the inheritance. Let me listen to what I'm saying. They were never going to see the inheritance on this side of eternity. Guess who would? Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron, and all the kids that were what? That were younger than that. When you have an infection with faith, you're going to obtain the inheritance. Come on, say it bold. It's mine. mine. Say it mean, it's, it's mine. That inheritance is mine for the glory of God. Say it again. It is mine. They squandered the promise. Watch this. All this time, 400 years under bondage, through the wilderness experience, you would think you just had to, I'd just, you know, sheer relief would say, yes, amen, finally. But to get to that point and then squander. I don't want to see that happen for you. You haven't been fighting 400 years. You've not been wandering around that long. 
But how many know, a lot of us have been in fights. This is not time to get right up there to the breakthrough and then squander it by letting fear come in. No. Faith, faith and affection is going to enjoy the best that God has. Notice the immediate results of fear. Fear led to grief. They wept, grumbling in rebellion, and they lost their destiny. Amen? The good news for you and for me is that uh, if we have been walking around and, and fear has been nipping at your heels, you can do what? You recognize it and you can reject it. And you say, no, I'm going to do what's necessary to get that rolling again. And faith comes by what? Hearing. Faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by? The by the Word of God. Now, if you're still waiting for you know, the miracles and for the deliverances and the healings to be your source of faith, you're going to be waiting a long time. Faith doesn't come by miracles. It comes by? It comes by hearing. Write this down and get it into your spirit. There are two sources that will actually prompt and develop your faith. One is praying in the Holy Ghost. Beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. It activates, it builds up, it promotes. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's right, being one of them boring faith people. Amen? How many know if there's a side here, it's better to be on the side of Moses and Joshua and Caleb? Them with the masses out there that may be laughing. Well, guess what? When they went in, nobody's laughing anymore. Amen. There came a time, you know, when people stopped laughing at Joseph. Amen. How I many know when Joseph revealed himself for who he really was, they weren't laughing anymore? You know what they were doing then? Yeah, they were thinking to themselves, I bet he's going to give it to us now. And I mean, you know, he was probably tempted. <laughs> Let me see what you did to me. You threw me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. You got me accused of raping Potiphar's house. You're nice people, really. I got a nice family. <laughs> Look what you did. And here I am now, God's man for this hour. And what does he do? Maintains a tender heart even through it all. Because, see, they didn't have to believe in him for him to have the spirit of faith. And nobody else has to believe in you either for you to have a spirit of faith. All you need to do is believe what God said. He believed the vision he had, the dream he had. You need to believe the one God has given to you. Say it, I'm a believer. So shout out, I'm infected with the spirit of faith. I've been delivered from the spirit of fear. No fear here. Say it here. No fear here. No fear in my life. I have the spirit of faith. And you know what the spirit of faith gets? The spirit of faith gets results. He gets the promises. Aren't you glad for that? Come on, let's give him a hand clap and thank him for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. We either have the spirit of faith or the spirit of fear. Whichever one we have, that's what we're infecting other people with. Amen? How many of some people out there that have just gone headlong into fear during this season in our nation? Speak the Word of God to them. Amen? Encourage them with the Word of God. Glory to God. You see that, uh, that guy driving down the pickup truck with a mask on and a shield on in his car, in his truck. Just pray for him. Amen? Have you noticed these same people that wear a mask in their car don't wear a seatbelt when they get out of the car? 
Huh? Where does that come from? Where does that stupid thinking come from during this season? Right? Uh, this guy just recently released a skit, and I think my, my sister had, uh, had, had re, reposted this thing, but there's a guy with a, a life preserver on, and a guy that doesn't have a life preserver on, the guy's telling him, you need to wear this life preserver if you're going to jump in that pool. He goes, I know how to swim. doesn't matter. You need to wear your life preserver. And the, the essence was that if you don't wear your life preserver, my life preserver won't work. It was actually very, very funny. But if you think about it, uh, it's not about what somebody else is doing. It's what you're doing. Say it with me. It's about what I am doing. It is my faith. It's what I believe. Now, I'm not going to say this has anything to do with God because God's not the author of destruction. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? But uh, after vaxes and boosters and masks and distancing and people are still getting infected, people need to wake up and make sure that Jesus is on the throne of their hearts. And have what? Ultimate confidence in Him. Take the measures that you are being led in directed to do. Amen. You work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. You know, there are forces that are out there that, that actually were trying to get the pastors across the country to compel and mandate and force and manipulate everybody in here to do what they wanted them to do. That's not our job. Our job is to preach the Word of God. Are you here today? Say it with me. Preach the truth in love. Uh, are you able to be led of the Spirit? Yes. Yes, you are. My, uh, my Aunt Ruthie uh, had been diagnosed years ago with uh, uh, colon cancer. And everybody in her family and her sisters wanted her to get a certain kind of treatment for that disease. And it was pretty advanced. And she made the decision that I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fill my last years, in her opinion, with all this treatment and all this disease and everything like that. It's just a decision she made. And the truth of the matter is, she didn't live, you know, all that much long after that. But guess whose decision it was? It was whose? Why would somebody make a decision like that? Well, guess what? You know, this is a fancy way of all of us getting into other people's business. Look at somebody and tell them, butt out. There's one Lord. Now, the Lord tells you to do something or not do something, then you better do it. Does that make sense? And I'm sorry, but it's, it's appalling to me when I heard two weeks ago that Mayo Clinic you know, fired 700 nurses and personnel that wouldn't get vaccinated. Their belief was, this is not what I want to do. Um, why do I have a problem with that? Because they were on the front lines with no protection, saving lives. And it's almost like that doesn't matter to them. In California, they did the same thing. Then they asked nurses to come back, even if they were infected, to come serve because they were without the necessary help in the hospitals. That, not like true conviction. That should tell everybody in America what's really, really going on and how much of a handle they have on this thing. No, I'm not your pro or your anti guy. I am pro word of God. I tell you, I am anti fear because it doesn't produce anything good. Um, 
my mom went to the clinic and the doctor told her, you need to go get a vaccine, you better go do it. And I'm just going to let you know that you've heard stories about mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, she going to do what she feels the Lord wants her to do. Um, there you go. Um, no. But here's the key. If you're going to do something to mitigate whatever's going on in the world and you're not operating in faith, you don't have the shield of faith up, say it would be the shield of faith, all these other things aren't going to matter anyway. Amen. Glory to God. Now, the bigger picture is this, this is going to come and go. What's going to remain is either a spirit of faith or a spirit of fear. That's the point. This is not going to be something that in the, in the world history, you see, is not going to be what people think it is. But the spirit of fear or spirit of faith is what's going to remain. Say it with me. For as me, for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Spirit of faith. Amen. And how do you get it? It's so complicated. Amen. Let's give him one more hand clap and let's thank him for it. <laughs>